Welcome to the Brain Trust Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. Whether you're a leader, a coach, a salesperson, or even a parent, this podcast focuses on how to leverage the science of decision making to help you become a more impactful communicator and a driving force for change. All right, welcome back to the Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield, and today's guest, Mr. Tommy Say, who's a sales leader. He's also a friend of mine from several years back, and I will tell you why I wanted to have Tommy on today. Uh, Tommy is not just a great communicator, but he is an amazing leader. He's developed a, a leadership model that he himself embodies, but also uh, helps as he works in the industry today. He's a sales leader for American Express, and he's just got so much wisdom to share when it comes to leadership. So, Tommy, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Now, Tommy, you know where, if you listen to our podcast, and I know you do, uh, we always start with learning a little bit about your why. Mm -hmm. So though we're going to get into a lot of the leadership and a lot of the things I think people need to hear from you today. I think it's always good to hear your backstory. Tell us a little bit about your why, where you come from and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Well, so as far back as I can recall, um, I've always found myself observing or, or directly a part of what we'll call the leadership process. I got to see leadership through my father at a very young age. He's a pastor, he's a minister. And so I got to see his influence and its impact on the people you know, who sought him out for counsel, sought him for wisdom, you know, in, in aspects of their lives. Uh, as I grew older, I, I got into sport, youth sport. I started swimming at the age of eighth grade. Up until that point, I was playing football, basketball, every sport that every young boy plays. Uh, and long story short, I got beat by a girl at some class one day. And, uh, and I always look back on that. I guess destiny found me because four years later, I was a state champion. I was recruited by every division one institution in the country. And uh, I found myself at the Ohio State University and uh, swam for the men's varsity team for four years, uh, had a, just a great coaching staff, great group of men that I competed with at the Big Ten level, the national level. Uh, and then post uh, Ohio State, uh, I knew I wanted to go and write the next chapter of life. And so I didn't waste any time to do so. I was married a year out of college. I had my first child. And then shortly thereafter that I had our daughter. My wife had our daughter, um, you know, and uh, and I was doing well in my career. I was always a, I've always been a, a top performing individual contributor at multi-billion dollar financial institutions. Uh, I then moved into uh, coaching, swimming. Uh, alongside my corporate career. And I got to coach some of the most talented swimmers in the country right here in Ohio, many of which went on to swim division one and uh, competing everywhere from Stanford to West Point to Ohio State as well. And, uh, and then I became uh, a leader uh, at the company I'm still with today, American Express. And, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed, very privileged to be around some of the most talented, gifted people I've ever had the opportunity to cross paths with in my corporate career. All right, so let's let's back the truck up a second. So we have to thank someone, and I don't know her name, and I don't know if you remember her name, but whoever the girl was that beat you back in the eighth grade <laughs> at swimming, we have her to thank for who you are today, right? In large sure, part, absolutely, she, she, she yeah. drove and motivated you. Now, just for the record, I wasn't a Division One swimming athlete at the Ohio State University, and so for the record, for all the fans out there, the brain and brain trust nation. Technically, I learned how to swim when I was like three. I, I don't know what took him so long, but some of us, I guess, are just early. That's right. We're just, 
<laughs> so, so when it comes to observing some of the leadership skills at an early age, you mentioned your father and how you saw him lead and how obviously as a minister or pastor, you got a lot of different people tugging at you in a lot of different ways. But what were some of the behaviors you saw him do that you probably didn't even realize at the time you were you were catching yeah, off of him? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, my dad, he's, he's a big people person. And, and I think you have to be, right? <laughs> that kind we of all work. should be. Uh, absolutely, right? I mean, he he's very big to people. I remember as a young boy, my father used to call me and my brother in from playing with all of our friends in the neighborhood. And we would come in the house and he would have sat down on the dining room table, a Bible. And we were to memorize, he had us memorize scriptures, you know, John 3, 16, Hebrews 4 and 12. And it was so funny because back then in our house, we didn't have the message Bible. It was the King James <laughs> virgin, version of the Bible. And, um, you know, but, but one of the things that he instilled in me and my brother from a very young age was um, just the importance of humanity, right? And the fact that we are all created in the image and in the likeness of God. We are the, the, the jewel of, of God's creative crown. And so those seeds being deposited into me as a young man, I, I had no idea how they would spring up later on in life because that is a very big pillar in my approach to leadership. Uh, so my dad was a, a big people person. He always lent his ear. He was always touchable to people, right? Yeah. Um, he, he came down off the mountaintop and walked amongst the camp, right? <laughs> right. And um, you know, he was very much that. He was a big time listener, very slow to speak a very acute listener. And, and, and even today, I mean, he, he serves as a great source of wisdom for me uh, and even correction, right. When it's necessary, yeah. uh, even at 36. Right. right. Um, and he always ties it back <laughs> to scripture. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it just things as I navigate, you know, my wife and I navigate marriage. Right. And, and uh, all those kinds of things. I mean, he's just, he's just, again, he's just a, he is a book of wisdom himself. Yeah, what I love what you said is because, you know, we're going to focus a lot today on, on leadership and leadership abilities and some of the deficiencies we might have in our culture of leadership. But what your dad really instilled in you was that ability to see that the value and the worth in every human being. Yeah. Regardless no of doubt. where they were, or where Absolutely. they came from. And 100%. I know that to be true about you. I've seen you live your life that way. And I think out there it can it can really get it could get tough to keep that perspective in a culture that doesn't necessarily promote that. Yes. And that was really where I wanted to go with the next question for you was, what do you think the state of leadership is today? Yeah. Leadership, it's funny. It is perhaps probably one of the biggest buzzwords of the century. Yeah. If you were to Google leadership, you'll, you're going to see over 3 billion hits on the subject. Last time I checked, Amazon had over 60,000 titles. With, with the word leadership and, and its books on titles and, and titles and books. Yep. Um, you have TED Talks everywhere you turn. You have LinkedIn groups that you can join. You have all kinds of gurus and, and consultants telling us what leadership is and, and what leadership isn't. You know, the, the leadership training industry is estimated to be a $50 billion industry. And, and let's face it, I mean, we, we've been graced with some extraordinary individuals that are doing great work in the field of leadership. Of yeah. course, I am partial to uh, my mentor, John Maxwell, and, and much of his leadership thought uh, certainly has influenced the, the way I approach leadership and what I think it to be. Um, people like Simon Sinek, right? Um, these individuals are, are challenging old management theory and ways of leading 
uh, that have led us to where we are today. Yeah. Right. I, I tell people it's not a mistake that we have crisis everywhere. I mean, we were deliberately led here by people. Right. Yeah. What do you think that, what do you think caused that? Absolutely. So there's a couple different things. You know, um, number one, I think our understanding of leadership and what we perceive leadership to be is highly flawed and, and very contaminated. I, one of my salespeople went to a leadership training seminar, a very respectable seminar. He was there for a week. And I had a one-on-one on the calendar, you know, the following Monday. And I couldn't wait to sit down and hear what he had taken away and what his experience was. And, you know, he had a good time. But, but I said, well, well so tell me, what would you take away? What would what, you come back with? And the first thing that came out of his mouth, Jeff, he says, you know, let me ask you a question, Tommy. Have you ever heard of gravitas? And I said, Grav- uh, absolutely, I've heard of gravitas. I mean, w- well, tell me what you've heard about gravitas, right, 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 right? right? And he goes on this tangent about gravitas and, and what it means to a leader and, and blah, 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 blah. And, and um, you know, I got to tell you, I was, I was disappointed. Yeah. Borderline disgusted that, that he had spent time, money to go to a leadership platform uh, where a speaker thought it was valuable to talk for 60 minutes on gravitas. And, you know, for the sake of time, we can't park here, but, but to prove this point, I want to kind of just draw out something here. You know, gravitas for, for some of our listeners that may not be privy is that, you know, it, it really has to do with how you perceive yourself, your stature, right? It's, it's you having pride in your demeanor and how you carry yourself and, and how people see your outward appearance and, and, you know, it's just your dignity that you carry. Right. And what's interesting about that is that gravitas finds its origin in the virtues that, that the Romans believe leaderships, leader leaders possessed in order to be leaders, right. That were qualified to be leaders. Um, And when you look at a lot of philosophy and Roman philosophy, when it comes to the field of leadership, a lot of that philosophy finds its origin in Greece. Mm-hmm. And when you start to kind of peel back a lot of the mentality of leadership today, you, you find that, yes, it is very much so about how one carries themselves and the dignity of their position and the pride that they have in their position. That's why we have leaders that look down on people, right, that are yeah. not at their level or people that are smaller bands or smaller titles. Um, we do have a mentality where we believe that leadership is a gifting that only is for a few. It's not necessarily everyone is born to be a leader. I believe that. I believe that we are all created with the capacity to yeah. lead, right? We need to certainly become sure. leaders. We need, to, we need to work on our craft of leadership like you do as an athlete, right? Um, you know, but we certainly have people who believe that some people are born to be followers, right? Yeah. And when you look at a lot of that contaminated mentality, that's where its influence falls. Because when you, lo- when you do your homework on this, the Romans believed that leadership was a gifting of the gods, Yeah. right? You had to have certain attributes. It was a certain pigment of skin, a certain eye color, a certain profile. In addition to all the virtues like gravitas and all right. of these things, right? The Greeks believed that charismatica, charisma, was a gifting of the gods that qualified one for leadership. And if you didn't have these kinds of traits and you didn't have these giftings, you were simply created by the gods to serve those who the gods created to lead. Yeah. That's just simply what it was. And so when you kind of come down through time and you look at every single country, right? I mean, every country has the imprint of Rome upon it. 
give some examples. Christianity, the biggest faith in the world, the Roman Empire is credited with its expansion. Right. Right? Go downtown Cincinnati or go downtown Chicago, New York. Look at the buildings, the beautiful ornate stone buildings with the intricate carvings and marble floors and marble, marble pillars. Rome. Yeah. Right? Uh, the idea of Senate, Republic, Rome, right? Uh, as well as much of our philosophy, schools, right? Centers where kids go to learn and there's different tiers of learning, which we call grades. Origin is in Rome, right? And so just as Rome has influenced every single country upon the earth, I mean, it rained for a thousand years, right? Um, so also our leadership philosophy, yeah. whether we realize it or not, has transcended time and is prevalent in many of leadership theory and management theory that has pushed people into areas of influence. So that's one big piece right there. And, and the fact that we have somebody talking about gravitas certainly <laughs> furthers that point, correct? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a, part of the myth there is I, I love the history on it because I don't think a lot of people give thought to where some of those things came from and some of our norms and, and mores and cultures relative to leadership. Sure. And, it really came down to if you were fortunate enough to be one of the blessed who was chosen to be a leader, yeah. then people basically looked to you as having superpowers that they did not possess. Absolutely. And then you took it upon yourself to take advantage of that by credibility, mm-hmm. power, control, and manipulation, almost as if it were your right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that that has permeated uh, a cultures for generations. So that leads us to today. No doubt. So just in, in maybe in 30 seconds, how, how has that infected this diseased leadership culture that you see, even just in the United States and corporate America, for example, yeah. let alone the other areas? Yeah. I mean, because of all of the, the, the misconception that we have about leadership and, and the contaminated thinking that we have toward leading, this is why we have governments that preside over nations that are dysfunctional. This is why we have toxic, disengaged corporate work environments. This is why uh, the biggest religion on the earth, the Christian faith, which is my faith, uh, lacks unity, right? Despite having 2.5 billion people as a part of it, right? This is why we have communities in shambles and and provide little to no hope or purpose for its citizens, particularly the, particularly the next generation. This is why we have an education system that fails its students, right? And part of the indoctrination that's happening in some of our higher education when it comes to leadership is part of the big problem, right? Yeah. Um, and this is also why we have a, a Hollywood and entertainment uh, system that serves as the epitome of moral erosion. For the culture, yeah, right. I mean, people who have who we've deemed to be leaders, uh, or people who have chosen to take in to take on the mantle of leading, um, they are deeply flawed inwardly. And at the end of the day, when your inward life is contaminated and you have twisted belief systems, that is what inevitably leads to your conduct and your behavior and the kinds of principles that you enact. Right. Or live out in your leadership. Yeah. And yet all of us that have had good leaders, sometimes we can't put our finger on it, but we know it's feels different. Sure. It feels like the exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we know the neuroscience behind that, right. From a connection and an empathy and, 
and, and the thing that we talk about a lot here is every one of us operates from a place of self-preservation. It's kind of how we're biologically built. Um, and, and everyone we view, we view through the lens of risk until they've proven otherwise. Sure. They're, they're trustworthy. Absolutely. And here's the great irony to me in leadership today is leaders who operate out of this antiquated you know, Roman controlled version of leadership, they're triggering the very things in their followers that are causing their followers to disconnect farther, absolutely, or further from what the, the the mutual benefit would be for following you, absolutely, right, absolutely. Um, so once heard it said that you know money or control or power is the answer. What's the question? Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. right, and unfortunately, no so many people. Uh, and here's what I found, and Tommy, I'd love for you to talk on this. Then I want to get into your model a little bit because I think it's going to be really impactful. Many of the leaders that I've worked with over the years, many of them, and I would say most, the, the vast majority, in their heart of hearts, they, they meant well, mm-hmm. but they were trained wrong. Yeah. They were almost raised up in a leadership, quote, development mm-hmm. program where sure. it was almost expected that you don't get too close to the followers. Mm-hmm. You, you lead with credibility. Everything's transactional. The minute you get relational, something bad happens. Absolutely, And, and so all the things that, that make us human, that unite us, that cause me to want to follow you, we were almost trained out of behaving that way. Yeah. And I think that's continuing to, but here's the thing I feel this is good news. And this is why I want to have you on today is I feel like we've hit a tipping point. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is, is that there's a, Give the, give the millennials some credit here for this is yeah. the, the one thing you love about this next generation is, is they, they don't want that yeah. type of leadership and they won't accept it. Right. And so they're rising up against control Absolutely. and power and manipulation. Absolutely. They want authenticity above all else. Absolutely. And they won't follow someone unless they feel they're authentic. If you look at the biggest influencers today, even on social media, they're super raw, vulnerable, yes. authentic Absolutely. people, right? Absolutely. So I, I'm hopeful that, that things are tipping. <laughs> right. yeah. They're tipping. That's why I wanted to have you on because I yeah. think your, your model is really impactful when it comes to this, this idea. Now, before we jump into that, what I want to do is I want to get some delineation here because I think you have a really good take and a very interesting take on the difference or maybe not the difference uh, between leadership and politician. And I don't want to, and I don't mean politician like, you know, the president or a senator or a congressman. Right. Yes, that includes that. Mm-hmm. But politician is a concept, sure. as a mindset compared to a, a leader. Yes. Give me a little bit of color. Absolutely. Yeah. Where the problem begins and the biggest problem is that areas of influence that demands the presence of leaders and ought to be reserved for leaders are reserved with a different kind of individual. Um, This is an individual whose mindset, whose motives, whose ideologies are diametrically opposed to everything a leader is. And what am I speaking about at the end of the day? I'm speaking of politicians. See, we've been groomed to believe, Jeff, that politicians just sit in the corridors of Washington, D.C. Or downtown in our state capitol building or our city hall. But politicians are found in high levels of corporate America. They're found in middle management. I was going to say, at low levels of corporate America. Absolutely, right? Politicians are found in the platforms of our churches. They're, They're found in our media, they're found in our education system. They are everywhere. And at the end of the day, when you, when you kind of peel back the difference of a politician versus a leader, politicians approach influence very differently. 
And at the end of the day, it, it, it again, it really comes down to what their, what their belief system is, which we're going to talk more about a little later. But there's three things that politicians are concerned about. They're concerned about position. They're concerned about power. And they're concerned about popularity. When you drill down the motives and the ideology of a leader, they're, they're not concerned with any of those things. Leaders don't, are not really concerned, true leaders are not concerned about necessarily acquiring more power. They're, they know that titles and positions do not make them a leader, right? And they're not necessarily the most popular, yep. right? I mean, if you really think about what a leader is, leaders are always challenging status quo. They're asking questions you don't have the answers to. And back to what you were talking about with the millennials. I mean, the millennials, this is why corporate America and the world in general has had such a problem with the millennials, right? These are, this is a generation that has an inner yearn for purpose. The generation prior to them and that raised them talked about purpose. They wrote books on it and they heard their parents kind of regurgitating what they heard about purpose, yet they found their parents coming home every single night sitting at the dinner table upset, right? upset at their job, disengaged from their job, or maybe their parents were too engaged in their job so much so that they missed their sporting events. Right. And so now these individuals have now have, they have families of their own and they're coming into this system that they saw inflict pain on their own parents, which trickled into their home environment, which impacted their childhood. And they're saying, listen, no more books on purpose, no more talking about purpose. What is the purpose? Yeah, that's good. And, you know, so, so, so that's part of the, 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 the dilemma that corporate America is finding itself in <laughs> with this generation, right? right? Um, you know, so, so when you look at leaders at the end of the day, they're concerned about three t- entirely different things. They're concerned about principles, they're concerned about people, and they're concerned about purpose. Politicians have no concern for any of those three items. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's big. I think um, that's a good gut check for some of my leaders on the podcast listening out there today. Because again, in my experience, mo- even in my corporate career as a leader, there were, my heart was those three that you just articulated. Mm-hmm. But sometimes my behavior tended to lend itself through self-preservation to acting more like a politician. Sure. And so you got people out there that are kind of jaded and grounded into the, and they just know they're acting that way and they don't care. And that's the worst kind of leader. Um, But we also have a ton of leaders out there. I think they're operating in that realm of the politician without wanting to or meaning to, because they they haven't been given permission, training, coaching, mentorship, and how to act the other way. Some people just buck the system and go, I don't even care what that politician description is. I'm never doing that. I'm always going to do this. But for most people, I think they want to be the leader characteristics you you said, right? Mm -hmm. Principles, people, and purpose, but they find themselves in a system that's requiring them in their own mind to act as a politician. hundred percent. And that's, that's just broken. You got it. It's broken. So let's, let's get into some solutions, right? So you developed a leadership model called bright Mm -hmm. and uh, it's obviously an an acronym or an acrostic. And um, as you've built this thing out, I know it's been a work in progress for you over the past five, six years. Um, you and I have been kicking this thing around for a while, and I love it. And I think it's so impactful. So, once you introduce the the audience to Bright, mm-hmm. what it is, what it stands for, and let's talk about a couple of letters today, and see yeah. if we can give some people some tools to absolutely to go home with. No, I'd love to. So, Bright, um, you know, I'll take a step back. How how Bright came to be. Um, 
you know, as I said, I, I eventually found myself at American Express. I was in my mid-20s. And when I got to American Express, I had found myself still to this day just surrounded by extraordinary individuals, highly talented, gifted people. Uh, it is a high-performing financial institution internally, very fast-paced. And uh, I, I really, at that same time, I, I realized, like, you know, if I want to keep up with this business and I want to do well here, I really need to start kind of pouring into myself. I really need to start kind of getting the bearings about just performance and, and how I carry myself and what I want to be. So long story short, I ended up becoming a, a top performing individual contributor at American Express, uh, so much so I was fast tracked to leadership. Um, you didn't get beat out by a girl first, did no, you? No, no, I what, didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered if this is a theme in your life. Yeah, yeah. Or... <laughs> no, that would have been funny though. Um, but yeah, but no, I I, I became a, a, a leader uh, within um, our business segment, and and still to this day, I'm one of the the youngest leaders yeah. in our business segment. Um, I am responsible for a half a billion dollar bulk of business, you know, and I I get to be around my my direct leader VP and GM. Uh, she is the best leader I've had in my corporate journey. She's done an extraordinary job putting a leadership team around me and, and the people that I get to work with, you know, on a daily basis. But when I first be, when I first got tapped to, to lead my first team at American Express, uh, it was at that time, I was probably five years into my personal growth journey, you know, and, and I had joined the John Maxwell team and, and I was really being poured into from many different channels and I was really formulating what I wanted to be as a leader, what I wanted to represent, what leadership meant to me, my philosophy. Um, and then, you know, concurrently, I was building my worldview, right? right? I was observing a lot of things. And, and, and part of how Bright came to be is I started seeing a disconnect when I started marrying the principles and the things that I had come to value in leadership. And I compared them to what I was actually seeing. Um, not just not just in business, but but just business, poly, everything, right in life, right. Um, I, that's where the disconnect uh, was drawn, and 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 so I created Bright back then just for myself. I, I didn't plan for it to be a leadership model. I didn't plan for it to be a book. I didn't plan to speak about it. Um, it was just something for me to guide me in, right. in what I believe was important. So so Bright is an acronym. At the end of the day. The B stands for beliefs. Uh, the R stands for respect. The I stands for integrity. The G stands for gratitude. H is humility and T is trust. And so let's talk about beliefs for a moment. It is appropriate that the first word in the acronym of BRIGHT is beliefs because this is where I believe leadership to be fueled from, right? In my opinion, leadership begins with a question. And that question is, is what do I believe? It's a simple question, but it is not easy to answer. Correct. It's very difficult to answer that. To, to answer that question requires intentional reflection, right? Consistent intentional reflection. Yeah. Um, to answer that question requires a lot of courage. Right. To, to explore. be honest about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To explore some some painful areas of life. Yeah. Right. Because at the end of the day, your life experience is what has birthed your belief system. Yeah. Right. Um, it also requires you to even even though you're going inwardly, you need to maybe travel outwardly and get some external perspective. I don't know about you, Jeff, but I found 
the one person who's always willing to give me honest external perspective is my wife. It's funny how that works. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, I was sitting down with my wife, uh, you know, a while back and we're sitting at lunch and you know, we were just talking about all sorts of stuff. And I asked her, I said, uh, I said, so where, like, where, where's my issue? Where do I need to be better? <laughs> it's the first time I ever asked her that question. <laughs> and she, she said, it's funny you should ask because she opens up a drawer, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And pulls out a legal pad yeah. that she's been working on for a couple of years. Exactly. You know what I mean? But, but it was so funny because, you know, what she said to me is she said, you need to be a better listener. And you said, I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. I, to be honest with you, um, I was crickets. Yeah. And it was, it was summer at that time and, and I had my glasses on. And to be honest with you, I, I mean, I was pricked pretty deeply. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, which, which told you right away. Which, which I knew she was right. Which told you right away it was true. That's what yes. I was going to say. I, yeah. I knew that she was right. Um, but again, you know, this was kind of uh, uh, uncharted territory right. for me. Right. And, um, and so it's funny. I mean, it's, uh, you, you don't need to kind of necessarily go take a strength finder test <laughs> or a values assessment to figure out what kind of leader you might be. You, you could just, for the fellas, you can just go talk to your wife. Yeah. She'll tell you exactly what you are. That's right. Right. <laughs> right? Um, you know, but yeah, but, but our, our, but our leadership stems from our belief system. You know, out of the athletes that I've coached, I, I, I was, again, I was very blessed, very fortunate to coach a very talented age group. I had the number one age group in the nation right here in Cincinnati. This group of young men and women uh, captured six consecutive state titles at their age. They set eight American records. Um, and I'll tell you something. And, and like I said, a, a majority of all of them went on to swim D1. And I'll tell you something about athletes and, and something about life that I've come to find in general. Um, I've, I've never coached an athlete who thought like a loser, but was a champion. Mm. And I've never coached an athlete who thought like a champion and was a loser. Now, now did they win every race? No, no. but, but overall they were extraordinary performers yeah. and they encountered setback just like we all do. Um, I, I've never come across an individual who appeared to be egotistic and selfish and led that way, but had a legacy of being a servant. Right. Right. It just doesn't work that way. You know, there, there's an awesome book that was written in 1923 by James Allen as a man thinketh. Yep. And one of the, the many treasures he writes in there is he says, he says, every man is a manifestation of his thoughts. You are what you think about. And so how we live ultimately is dictated by what we think which is what we believe. How we lead is ultimately dictated by what we think and what we believe. And so you cannot live beyond your belief systems. As an athlete, you certainly won't perform beyond your belief system. And you most definitely will not lead beyond your belief system. Mm, that's good. Right? And so today, now, now this idea of going inwardly, right, to, to, to where leadership begins, we'll say, this is nothing new. The problem is, is that much of the information that's all out there today, encouraging people to go within, it's incomplete. And, and I'm going to tell you how so. So you can go take a strength finders test and you can go figure out where you're strong and where you're gifted. Yeah. That's an important thing, right? Yep. Because your giftedness is intimately tied to your purpose. Correct. Right. Um, a lot of times, particularly in the corporate space, we have what we call developmental plans. 
And those developmental plans don't really magnify your gifts. Correct. <laughs> They're all aimed at trying to tell you how incomplete you are. Exactly. <laughs> right? Um, you know, but I think that's also a reason why employees are disengaged. Yeah. Because corporate America hasn't figured out how to leverage them in their gifting to optimize the business. Right. Right. Um, so you can go take a strength finder test. You can do value assessments where you're presented with a list of a hundred words and you, the first round you pick your top 20 and then the second round you pick your top five that right. sit in those top 20 and, and those top five are your values. Um, but I'm going to tell you what, where the issue lies. It's not enough to know your value system. And it's not enough to know, uh, it's, it's not enough to know uh, your strengths. You have to move deeper because at the end of the day, your value system is birthed out of your beliefs. Right. And your beliefs are birthed out of your life experience. And that is an area that a majority of the content out there on going within falls short. If you're looking to have your life touch and influence others, and to be a leader is to be a steward of potential, and the greatest thing that you can do is, is get a follower to discover the hidden leader within them, if that's the highest level of leadership, you really have to make sure that you have a belief system that aligns to that, right? or you'll never be there. What you will accomplish is, is you will accomplish temporal accolades that at the end of the day will be replaced by new temporal accolades that will thus amount to nothing. Right. Right. You get a big stack of nothing over time. hundred percent. But in the moment it feels good, right? Absolutely. It keeps it you does. moving in that direction, but it Absolutely. doesn't really change. It doesn't lead to transformation. No doubt. You got uh, it. That, yeah, you got that's it, good. Right. Um, when you, when you think about the, the idea of values, <clears throat> values uh, in and of themselves are neither good or bad. Like somebody says, well, I did a values assessment and, and I value courage. Courage is valuable to me. That's an important thing because I think it's said that courage is, is the, the father of all virtue, right? Um, it's important that you've come to realize that, that courage might be a value to you. The, the problem is, is that values are neither good or bad. You have to take it a step further and you have to ensure that your value is good for you and also good for others. Right. In other words, values have to be taken a step further and they have to be shrouded in morals, which are the principles that govern values, mm. thus govern your conduct. Yeah, that's good. And so it's, you can argue, obviously, that our servicemen and women who defend our country every day all over the world, they certainly have courage. Absolutely. You can also make a case for a religious martyr who puts on a vest and blows up a school. As having courage. As having courage. Right. What separates the two? The se what separates the two is principle, moral principle. Yeah. That ensures that that value of courage, it preserves life, your own as well as those your life touches. Right. You see? So, so what the first part of, of, of Bright is meant to do the beliefs portion serves as the framework for everything that follows it. Because at the end of the day, if you don't respect people, it's because you have a flawed yeah. belief system. If you lack integrity or you're finding it difficult to live out the principles that you alluded Save. to, 100%, yeah. 
you have a belief system problem, right? If you lack gratitude, if you lack humility, if, if you are not a leader that is perceived as one being worthy of trust, you have a belief system problem. You see? That's really good, man. I think, uh, so in your model, the B's capital. Absolutely. It's a capital B. Absolutely. And the rest of the letters are lowercase because they're basically <laughs> right. manifestations of, or an output or, or the, you know, the, the, like, like you said, the, the ability to act out the actions of, we all, we talk a lot about beliefs that beliefs drive behavior. Yes. And what you're saying Absolutely. is, is that when you really, this is really good. Cause I think a lot of folks have done a superficial cursory you know, self reflection on Absolutely. what do I believe. And well, I believe, I believe, and people say, I believe all these things, but taking it all the way down to the root core level of, of values to morals to what's the principles behind those beliefs. Absolutely. And when we, when we coach a lot of our clients on building their, their why story, we always make them go through an exercise where it's belief centric. Now we keep it at a little bit of a superficial level, meaning yeah. what, when you say belief, well, I, you know, I believe in problem solving. Sure. Or I believe in, you know, the platinum rule and in my case or family and all those things, those are high level beliefs. But what you're doing that I love as a leader is you've got to go all the way down and, and I believe this to be true in my own personal life is I can have a belief about service of others. Sure. But if I don't have the ability to act that out mm-hmm. in a way that's meaningful to other people, right? it's just me claiming to have absolutely. a belief that doesn't. No doubt. Do you really have yeah, it if absolutely. you're not doing it? Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's so important for leaders to maintain a state of self-evaluation. Yeah. And that's very difficult to do. Right. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in a I'm a part of a very fast paced global business um, that is responsible for half of the overall businesses revenues. <laughs> right? yeah. And and so I'm I'm constantly running. I'm on calls. I, I have a wife at home. I have three kids that go have to go to three different ways to youth sports. It's very difficult yeah. to carve out time for self right. today, particularly if you're a leader, because you are pulled and needed by everyone. Right. You're needed by your spouse. You're needed by your kids. And you got to make sure that you're spending ample time with them because you won't get that time ever. You won't ever get that time back, right? right? Um, You're pulled by uh, the people that you lead. You're pulled by your peers. You're pulled by your your leaders, right? You are, we're pulled in so many different directions, but this is where we fall short in our decision-making process. This is why we make the wrong decisions to achieve these high, mighty, lofty goals that we set across all these institutions, right? Um, that inevitably lead us to dead end roads yeah. where we then have to make another bad decision right. and sometimes violate principles, right? That yeah. we hold, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's important as a leader, you have to be very intentional and listen, I'm human. I mean, I, 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 I do not pretend to have mastered bright by any means of this. Uh, uh, I mean, leadership, in my opinion, it is, it is a lifelong journey and you will never, ever fully embody what it is yeah. in its most purest sense. Right. Things like humility. Right. I, I heard an awesome quote. Uh, <laughs> it said the moment you think you got humility. You've lost you it. You just again. demonstrated you lost it again, <laughs> <laughs> right? In that moment, exactly, lost it again. right? Yeah. But but we know that this is an important aspect to effective leadership. Yeah, you know, I mean, Gary Collins did a big study, right, um, on good to great yeah. about humility, right? Um, you know, so yeah, so the belief system uh, at the end of the day is an area where, you know, if if you look up and and 
you know, you're not happy with the way in which you're leading or you feel like your leadership is ineffective. Or um, if you're an individual who follows a leader in which you're, you're finding it hard to respect and hard to trust and, and you're finding that we talk about principle, but we don't do a good job of living it. Right. Yeah. Um, it, that's, that is the reason that's the source. Well, let's do this as we close, because I, here's what I've taken away from, from today. It's been great, by the way, it's fantastic to, for us to pause. And whether you think you're a leader or not out there and you're in a leadership, a formal leadership position, remember that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, every one of us are called to be leaders in some capacity. Sure. And so if you're out there and whether you're leading teams in the corporate world or whether you're leading your kids' little league teams or swim teams or whatever the case is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about some, self, um, some self-reflection on the big B, the capital B. What are your leadership beliefs? And take those down as far as you can get them down to the, to the principles that Tommy talked about that you really know will make a difference in your life, but more importantly, in the lives of others. Then what I want you to think about doing is I'm going to give you a place to go here for some more resources on this, but I want you to think about how well you've done at creating an environment that fosters the rest of the, of the, of the, of the word bright, respect, integrity, gratitude, humility, and trust. Because if you, as a leader, if you can create a team environment around those characteristics and make the team hold everyone, including yourself, accountable to living out the beliefs you articulated you have as a leader, boy, how much faster would this country change? Absolutely. Right. That would be remarkable. So, so Tommy, you have lead-bright.com. Mm-hmm. People can go there, find some more information out yep. about the model. And in general, just hear some more things from you. I will tell you, man, this has been really, really, really good. And we, we do lots of different topics, as you know, on this podcast. And every once in a while, leadership will theme its way in. But this is very unique and very different than anything we've done before on here. And yeah. I personally have taken a lot away from it. And I'm sure that our audience has as well. So any final thoughts before we, we sign off today? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, listen, I, I, again, I believe that we are all created with the capacity and the call to lead. And we have a culture today that does not necessarily send that message, right? We have people who feel that leadership is out of their reach, yeah. you know, um, because they don't look a particular way or because they're not wired uh, like the, the people they see above them or in front of them. And that's not the case. I mean, I love what Miles Monroe said. He said that leadership is about self-manifestation. It's more about discovery. Yeah, right. That's good. It's about going within yourself. We have all been gifted to bring something to this world, something to this life uh, that is desperately needed and desperately people are searching out. Right. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I would just encourage everyone uh, to, to commit themselves to finding out what that is. Um, be content in how you are crafted. Be content in what you were made to be and be who you are. And when you decide to do those things, you have officially decided to take on the mantle of leading. That's great. And I sl- the advice I give to people all the time is be content with how you're wired, who you are, absolutely, uh, but never be satisfied with what you've done for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Like let that drive you so that contentment comes from that place of peace with your identity, right? Yep. But satisfaction comes in. You can be satisfied in a moment, but you should challenge yourself to continue to help others in a more demonstrative way throughout whether it's personal, professional, it doesn't matter. So well said, well, well done, buddy. Thank you for being on today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. You too. You've got questions. We've got answers. 
business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.